Love a rugby league same game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favorite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back ahead of TLT Round 23. It is the Supercoach head-to-head finals time as well, so it is definitely the home stretch. Head-to-head coaches are certainly going to feel it this week because your season's either over or could be over depending on what you do this week. So we've got a big podcast planned. I have to be completely honest about it. I am exceptionally busy at this time of year with my work and my real job, and that always means that at this time of year it gets a little bit harder to fit in the podcast and everything, but I do what I can to make sure that I that I always get the Supercoach podcast out because I really appreciate all the listeners and especially the ones that have been around for years and certainly those that share it around and stuff. I always want to come through with a podcast episode each week. So it is a solo one this week with just me because I can't, have the time, unfortunately, with work and everything to get everything aligned to get some of the guests on board that I would have liked to, but we're still going to get a great Supercoach episode out to you this week. We've also got the Talking Footy podcast episode later this week. That'll definitely be happening as well. So before we do get stuck into it, you all would have heard the ad at the start of the podcast for Picklebet. Picklebet, fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast this year. Absolutely love having them on board. They've got some great promos at the moment, so I do need to mention, you would have heard them talking about all the same-game multis and stuff in the advertisement. If you're going to go and create an account today, make sure that you use our referral code. It's also called affiliate code when you sign up. It's all-stars, all one word. If you just plug in all-stars when you sign up for an account today, they'll know that you're one of our listeners and take fantastic care of you. So just where it says affiliate code, make sure you plug in all-stars and then just hit apply, and that'll be it. You'll be up and running with Picklebet, and you can have a look. But the promo they've got this week, they've had it a few times, and it's really good. It's going to be the double chance first try scorer promotion. So what that means is that if you bet on first try scorer under this promo and your first try scorer selection comes in second, they'll pay you out as a winner. That is phenomenal. It is only on selected games. So for this week, it's Storm vs. Panthers game. So if you want to have a crack at someone like Brian Toto and he doesn't come in first but then he scores the second try of the game, you're going to get paid out as a winner anyway. So it is a fantastic promotion. Go on picklebet.com and have a look. We do also have the NRL All-Stars podcast, Bet of the Week. That's under the Thursday night first game of the round, the Roosters versus the Manly Seagulls. You can find that under Outrights. And for this week, we've got a $5.25 odds one. And this one is huge value, I reckon. Yes, some people will say it's Roosters bias, but you know what? At this time of year, you just need to have some fun. And I want to have some fun supporting my team because I haven't supported them much this year because they've been hopeless. So... Sydney Roosters for the win. Daniel Tupo, anytime try. James Tedesco, anytime try. Most of the Roosters' wins when those two blokes have played, they've been scoring tries. Teddy has scored a million tries in the last couple of months for the Roosters himself. So that one there will pay $5.25. 
that is tremendous odds on the same game multi. So that's my one for the week for the All Stars podcast. But go and have a look at all the same game multis because they've got fantastic ones on Picklebet. Picklebet.com. All Stars is your promo affiliate code. Go and have a look and get on them today. Always think, is this a bet that you really want to place? For free and confidential support, you can call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Now, for Supercoach, we do need to look at last round briefly, and we are going to do it briefly because at the moment we've got a lot of head-to-head stuff to talk about. So, round 22, what happened? The good, the bad, the ugly. Clint Eastwood. So, 12.89 for me wasn't too bad. It was okay. I could have gone a bit better. Uh, look, as far as the good goes... I definitely didn't captain the right guy, but I did have Kalen Ponga and Nathan Cleary. They were two of the biggest scorers in 122 and 109 points for Cleary. But probably the best surprise was having my boy Alex Johnson come through with 122. So that's definitely my good. I was really big on having him last week. I thought he was a really good value by just over the 500k mark. Always nice when that comes off. 122 points. Absolutely cheering. The bad... Look, I'm going to go with my captaincy option of Scott Drinkwater. Uh, look, I do that 10 times out of 10. I wouldn't have changed my decision on it. That's why it's not ugly. But when he struggles to even get to 60 points, 58 points for the round, uh, it's it's not the worst. But considering I could have gone for a Kalen Ponga or a Nathan Cleary, that put me pretty far behind. I could have easily been in the, the 1400s with some slightly different decisions there. So that was bad. Ugly, I'm going to go for my mate James Tedesco here. So I did expect a lot more from Tedesco. Um, He was my lowest scorer aside from Hines at 34 points. But it wasn't ever going to be an easy one versus the Broncos. So I didn't have huge expectations. I thought there was a chance that he could have gone well against the Broncos, which I mentioned last week. I thought he was in pretty good form. Unfortunately for the Roosters, the second half that he's got absolutely pummeled and it was all over. So... Tedesco let me down a little bit, but it's okay, mate. You can come through for me this week. Let's have a look at Market Watch. So I will say for everyone listening, what we're going to do this week, I am going to go through Market Watch like normal, but because it is head-to-head finals, what I am going to do is go through the game-by-game at the end and do that with a little bit more detail. So I'm going to be highlighting some specific weekly or pod plays that you might want just for this week or you might want for the next couple of weeks. And they're guys that, for a large part, aren't really being talked about, certainly aren't being traded in. So that can be really useful, especially for the head-to-head players. But traded out, market watch. Nico Hines, number one. There's a lot to talk about here. Now, everyone would have heard me last week talking about how I'm really against trading out Nico Hines. Oh, but Barnsley, he scored 22 points. I don't care. I'm still against trading out Nico Hines. I said last week he's the best player in the game. I don't think that has changed. He's still ranked as the best player in the game. Playing Penrith, normally he can go well against top eight sides. He had an 87 average against top eight sides before. It was a terrible game for him. It was a terrible game for the Sharks, and he scored 22 points. Now, I'll give another example here because I was having this chat with a few people. Nathan Cleary last year had a game where he scored 32 points. I did not see everybody trying to trade Cleary out. And obviously the Panthers can go a little bit better. They're a bit better team than what the Sharks are. But Nico Hines is a guy who has never been bad. You know, he's always, through his time at the Sharks, been at the top of the food chain as far as super coach goes. And I know people keep referencing what his draw is. I actually think the draw is totally overrated as far as how bad it is. Okay, so this week, 
people are trading him out hugely. What has he got happening this week? Well, yeah, he does have a hard game against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I think that people need to have a look at what the South Sydney Rabbitohs have been doing, though. Last week against the Tigers, the Tigers threw on 18 points and were very competitive. I don't, I like Souths to actually make the grand final. I've said that several times. But they haven't been playing fantastic footy. And the two, two weeks prior, they led in 36 points against the Broncos and 36 points against the Bulldogs. Yeah, they've been letting in points at South Sydney, and they haven't been putting together 80-minute performances. So I'm not particularly worried about playing Souths. If I was playing Penrith again, I would be pretty worried, but they've got that over and done with. What about the rest of the draw? Well, the week after this, next week, they're playing the Gold Coast Titans at home at Points Bet Stadium. That could very well be a 150-plus game for Hines. Very, very easily. Now, when we're having a look at the weeks after, what have we got? Cowboys, tougher matchup. Newcastle. Newcastle are going well. They're still leading in points. Canberra Raiders at points bet at Cronulla. Raiders aren't as good away from home. Raiders have been flogged several times this year. So I'm not that worried about that. Out of those sides, who is actually in the top eight at the moment? You know, they've got half of those games that are going to be against sides that aren't even in the eight. I don't think it's that bad. Is it the best draw? No. Next week, though, when you're playing to potentially make your way through to the preliminary finals for head-to-head, that's going to be pretty important week for head-to-head players. And Gold Coast Titans, Nico Hines at Cronulla is just about the best matchup that you could hope for. So let's drill down on these numbers on who's trading him out. At the moment, 17.9% of trades and Nico Hines out. Now, we were as high as 23% Nico Hines out. So the trade market has gone down a little bit on Hines. A few little points I'll make because the most the most traded options are both Hines out. One of them is Hines to Cleary. One of them is Hines to SJ. The biggest thing seems to be, do I want Hines or do I want SJ? That seems to be basically what it comes down to. So let's have a little bit of analysis on Sean Johnson versus Nico Hines and see what we can come up with here. So obviously with SJ, everyone's looking at the great draw that they've got. And they do. There's no getting around it. They've got the Titans, the Tigers, Manly, Dragons, Dolphins. Best draw out of anyone, 100%. One of the little caveats I'll say with their draw, though, and this isn't to say they're not going to go really well. They will. But the Titans is away and the Tigers is away. The next two weeks, they're actually away. Three out of the last five, they're away. They're much better off at, at Mount Smart, for sure. They're much better off playing in New Zealand. But these two games are away. So traveling to the Gold Coast and then traveling to the Tigers, it's not the best. It's still good matchups, obviously. So don't get me wrong, not discounting it. But you've got to remember these aren't being played in New Zealand where they could absolutely run rampant. Now, when you're having a look at uh, the biggest scores that Sean Johnson has had this year, okay, his two biggest ones, 135 against the Sharks. That was at home in New Zealand. 127 versus the Dolphins. That was at home in New Zealand. Uh, and then you've got some other bigger ones that he has been able to score away still. But the point is, in New Zealand, they're going to be a little bit better. That's the first thing. The second thing is, what do the numbers say? If you're going to try and tell me that, Nick, that Nico Hines is going to get outscored by Sean Johnson on the run home. Well, prior to last week, Nico Hines was 20-plus points better than what Sean Johnson was on the season. Uh, at the moment, because of last week's absolute stinker that Hines came up with, it is a 17-point difference on the season. That is absolutely massive as far as gaps go. So Hines may very well not go as good as what his season has been at his 94 average for the next five games. But Sean Johnson himself would have to go absolutely ballistic just to catch Hines still. 
with the 17-point gap that's there in their performance. So at the moment, my biggest thing with this is that Sean Johnson has averaged 77 points a game this year and been absolutely phenomenal. He's been amazing. But the point of that is, he couldn't play any better than what he has. He, we've seen peak Sean Johnson. Can he play? Can he get score a little bit better because he's got a bit of a better draw? Yeah, sure. But what's a little bit better? Most of the time, you're looking at 10 to 20 percent being better because of a draw. Now, if he scores 10 percent more, that's going to get him at around 84. If he scores 20 percent more, then that's going to get him at around 91. Uh, at the moment, that's still not getting towards Nico's average. What if Nico goes worse, Barnsley? Well, again, apply the same logic. What if Nico goes 10% worse than what his season suggests? He's still a couple of points better than if Sean Johnson goes 10% better than his career season. So it's just something to take into account that the gap between these guys has been large on the season. And I don't really buy into short, to Nico Hines just getting terrible over the next five weeks out of nowhere and going for 30s and 40s. You know That's just not going to happen. When you're having a look at what Hines has done, he has scored well against good teams all year, still, except for Penrith, who he went terrible against. Let's look at some other good teams that he's played this year. Okay, When you look at uh, the Broncos, he scored 90 points against the Broncos. When you look at the Cowboys, he scored 126 points versus the Cowboys. Are the Roosters good? Probably not, but he scored 89 against them anyway. His worst scores of the year, he's put put up 40 points on the Dolphins, and he's put up 43 against the Storm. He hadn't gone below 70s until this week, aside from those two games. He's been pretty much match-up proof since he's been at the Sharks. So is it likely that against Souths, Titans, Cowboys, Knights, Raiders, that that changes hugely? I doubt it very much because we've almost got two years of data to say that he's not going to go on a run averaging 50-something or 60-something. At worst, it looks like he's going to average 70-something. And keep in mind that Sean Johnson is averaging 77. Let's look at the next scenario. Maybe Sean Johnson does outscore Nico Hines. A lot of potentially new super coaches will look at that and go, well, he's going to score more points, Barnsley. Let's just go for it because that's more points. Yes and no. Uh, the other thing that you've got to look at this in context with is the fact that we're at a point now where everyone is almost out of trades. I have seen so many people say, it's my last trade. I'm going to go Hines out, SJ in. And it's just maddening to me. We've got a lot of rounds left. We're in round 23. You've still got five games to play. Five rounds left, I should say. And to leave yourself with no trade because you want to go Hines to SJ, it's just madness. Because even if SJ outscores him by, say he outscores him by five points on the run home per game, it's not worth the trade. You've got to keep that trade because the problem is that you might make up 25, 30, 35 points on the season with that trade. And then all of a sudden, you're going to lose 100 points because, you know, your hooker's going to go down and you get stuck getting an AE each week or somebody else goes down and, and you end up without that player and the person that you you know, have to bring in that you don't normally play, maybe in your second row, for instance, is 20 points worse per game. There's so many things that can happen on this run home. If you've got 10 trades, you could just go for it and go crazy. And you're very different to most people that are doing this trade. So that'll probably be my caveat to say, I can understand it more. If you want to go with your 9, 10 trades or something, 
uh, hind out SJ in for a couple of weeks, and then even go, you know what, I'll get SJ, I'll get SJ back out and and Hines back in, or even get Cleary out for a couple of weeks or something. You can go the halfback roulette and just keep going because you've got so many trades, it doesn't matter. But if you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to do probably close to at best a sideways trade, or maybe slightly better over the course of the season, and it's one of your last few trades, like if even if you've got three or four trades. That it's not really an upgrade. You're making a trade to either go sideways with the potential of it not being as good, or at the very, very best, maybe it being slightly better than having Nico Hines. I think the biggest thing with the Hines trade, to just finish off on talking about it, because I don't want to go on and on, is next week against the Titans at home at Cronulla. It is a must-win game for the Sharks. And playing at Cronulla, playing the Titans... It is a type of game where Hines can go absolutely massive. Now, if four out of the next five games, Hines goes badly, and I don't think that's going to happen, but say it does, but he throws up 200 points versus the Titans next week, it completely negates the rest of the season, especially because most people will be putting a VC or a C on him next week. So say he goes 180 points. That's his season high so far. Did that against the Dragons in round four. Say he does it next round. That's 360 points as captain. Now, not only does that absolutely kill you if you don't own him in a round that maybe, you know, everyone else struggles to get to sort of 100 points, which can happen as captaincy options. As far as the outlook goes for the season, he's going to outscore SJ even if he goes average in those other games. So that's a big consideration. SJ will really have to pretty much, you know, turn up most of this run home and average 100 plus points to be able to make it worthwhile. It's a small possibility. It could happen. You can never rule anything in Supercoach out. But like I've said a lot of times online, talking about this stuff, it's all about the probabilities. You know, sometimes something's going to come off, but is it going to come off nine times out of ten? What are the odds of that coming off? You've got to play the odds. And to me, the odds are, if you don't have very many trades left, you'll want to keep Nico Hines and not burn a sideways trade to an SJ. Uh, And even if you do have a lot of trades left, I don't think that Hines is an automatic trade out because, you know... A week seems to be a very long time in Supercoach. Everyone's focusing on the fact that Hines got 22 points last week. What did he do before that? You know, I saw some really interesting comments where people were like, oh, yeah, you know, you should have sold him two or three weeks ago. Before last week, Hines' scoring was 86-72, which had a sin bin, by the way, 109, 156, and 129. His five-round average is 89 points a game. That still puts him far and away the best option in Supercoach in his last five rounds before last week. So if you're going to look at this trade and you're going to do it, the thing I'll leave you with is ask yourself, do you really think that one round is going to make all the difference to the Sharks? Because we're talking about one round where he played Penrith away and scored 22 points. If you look before that, he was going gangbusters. He's gone phenomenal all season. And the Sharks have struggled at times this year. The Warriors absolutely belted them. Belted them. And Hines got sin binned. And he still scored 72 points a couple of weeks before. Yeah, the the Manly Seagulls, they're up 30-0 at the half. Hines comes out and scores 80 points in the second half. Yeah, it's it's what Hines has done for two years, and he's the best option in Supercoach. So I'm actually happy as an owner that's holding Hines that everybody, well, not everybody, but you know, a good third of his owners are looking like trading him out because he's actually going to end up being a much lower captaincy option than what he should be next week in particular. So I'm all aboard keeping Hines. I don't think it's worth a trade to SJ. Do I think SJ will go well? Yes, I do. But so will Cleary and so will Hines. So you've got to make some decisions. 
I'll be super controversial and say at this point, I'd almost rather run Hines and SJ. Um, if I didn't have Cleary, I'd probably just sit with that. That's fine. I understand that argument more than trying to get rid of Hines. Uh, but I digress. We've gone too long about the Nico Hines stuff. At the end of the day, if you really want to do it, it's your team. You know, Maybe it will come off for you. There is always a small percentage that it will. I don't think that it will. I think that you're better off looking into other trades. Valentine Holmes is an easy trade-out. Will Kennedy, easy trade-out. Really unfortunate with those guys, uh, especially for people who trade them in the last few weeks, what they've gotten out of them. Joey Manu, though, he's the next controversial one to talk about. I've actually thought that Joey Manu's been a trade-out for a couple of weeks. I, I got rid of him um, maybe four weeks ago. The problem with Joey Manu is, unfortunately, center. He's going to be really up and down. Um, I'm all aboard trading him out, especially with his value at the moment. So when you have a look at Joey's value, it is absolutely plummeted from its peak because 688000 isn't terrible, but you, know, you could have had him at 800000 um, previously as well. So <laughs> lost a lot of value. How is he going to go going forward? Well, 80 points on the weekend was terrible, uh, but I do need to be honest about this because I just said with Nico, hey, if you just throw it out as a bad week, what has he done before that? With Joey Manu, he's done really well before that. 78, 79, 92, and 91 points since he moved back to center. So he still averaged uh, you know, close to mid-80s at center for a month before last week. The difference for me is that we've seen this from him before where he can go on a run of a few weeks of going really well, and then he has a few weeks of going pretty poorly. And one of the biggest things with Manu at center is that sometimes you can't really pick it, and that makes it really, really difficult for head-to-head players because you're going to play him you know, in a game that you think that he'll go well in, and then you're going to bench him for a game that you think he'll go bad in, and it ends up being the opposite a lot of the time. Like, for example, in round 20 against the Storm, he scored 79 points, and they got well beaten in that game. You would have benched him for that. You know, the Broncos game, you would have thought with the matchup, maybe he would have been a better player, and he throws out an 18 Unfortunately, that can happen with Joey at center, um, and I really don't like it, and I think there's better options. So I agree with people actually looking at trading him out. The biggest thing with Joey Manu at the moment is he's in 21% of teams. And if you're in head-to-head, and you've got a guy that's quite volatile, that's probably not going to kill you having him out of your side, you probably want to go away from that 21%, especially in a matchup when you need a point of difference. Uh, Manu might be a guy that you get out that a lot of your opposition are going to own. So I get it overall as well. I, I think it's a decent trade-out. I will say uh, center wing is, is pretty problematic at the moment, but it does have some big pot options that you can look at. Jacob Preston, I understand people um, getting rid of him. We did talk about him a bit last week. Dylan Edwards, totally get it. I would have traded him out last week. He's playing the Storm this week. I think there's some fantastic fullback options, so I'm all aboard getting him out. Uh, Mulatalo is an interesting one. He's been absolutely abysmal, and it's all about whether you think the Sharks are going to turn it around. I understand anyone trading him out. I'm not going to say he's, he's a you know, bad trade-out. He's got 9 and 19 points back-to-back until last week. But in saying that, um, again, I'm going to talk to the draw next week. You really need to consider if you can trade out someone else and you know not play Mulatalo this week. But if you can bench Mulatalo and you've got some other center wings or you can trade a different center wing out that you don't want, it might be better because next week... They do have that Gold Coast game at Points Bet Stadium at Cronulla, and that is a good matchup. Even if the Titans are going well and the Sharks aren't as good as what they have been in the past, they're still going to put some points on the Titans at home. 
and someone like Mulatalo, he can definitely throw up a double and score 96 points odd. So I would actually hold him to play next week if I could. Obviously, there's some teams that do need to trade him. I just throw that out there, especially for head-to-head players that are going to want to point a difference because Militalo's ownership is at 16% at the moment. It's going to be closer to 10% probably by the time we get to next week. Reed Marnie. Fine, get rid of him. Jack DeBellin, got to get rid of him. He's just got a month on the sidelines of Matt Burton. Got to get rid of him. So all all in all, I think that the trade-outs pretty much make sense for a lot of it. There is some controversial ones on there. I think the biggest one... Is, is Nico Hines, let's see at the end of the season. You know, I, I tend to think that Hines is still going to be the number one player when the season ends. Uh, and on this run, SJ might be able to match him, but every chance that SJ could still be below him. It is really interesting, though, and it does make the game a lot better because we have had seasons in the past where it's just so clear-cut in every position on who you need to own. And I'm really enjoying this run home because... You've got three really good halfback options that I want a piece of all of, and you've got to make those hard decisions on which two you're going to run home with. And that's really good for the game because it means that the team's going to be different. In centre wing, we're going to really see this year more than ever. Centre wing is absolutely open at the moment. You could have a massive jump in rankings or win some head-to-head finals based on your centre wing decisions from now on all the way running through home. So it's great because it differentiates between the teams a lot more than what we've seen in the past. Trade-ins, Nathan Cleary, it's a great trade-in. There's no way that you can get around that. Only thing that I will say is if this is something where you've got, you know, Hines and SJ already there, Nathan Cleary playing the Storm, I know the Storm's defense hasn't been the best, uh, but at the same time, that can be a really tough matchup. So... It's not the best week to be getting Nathan Cleary in, but at the same time, it is Nathan Cleary. You know, you just if you're planning on having him, I guess you just do it. So, not going to argue about it at all. Latrell Mitchell, I am going to argue a little bit about. Um, last week, he returned after a long layoff. I was actually quite surprised at the amount of um, commentators and fans, uh, mainly commentators. There was a few commentators on Fox in particular that thought that he looked fantastic and he looked fit. I didn't think that he looked particularly fit. Uh, I thought that he looked a bit slow. I thought that he looked like he was carrying a couple of kilos. And that's not having a crack at Luttrell. If you can't run because you've got a leg injury, that's always going to be an issue. And that was always going to be the problem for Luttrell returning. Now, he scored 74 points, which is great. 74 points against the Tigers in in just about one of the best matchups that you could hope for for him. Will he come back this week and be a lot better off for the run? Maybe. Um, he does have the Dragons a week after. He's still got 129 break-even. So if you think that the Sharks are going to bounce back at all, uh, will be a harder opposition for the Bunnies, you might be better off waiting a week and having a look at him next week versus the Dragons. But you know, it, it's never going to be bad trading with Luttrell. Like I said last week, even though I don't think that he's going to set the world on fire against the Tigers, it's not like he's going to score below a 65. And I certainly thought that the first few weeks of the season was where he's going to be at, where he scored 73, 62, and 66. I thought that was going to be his type of range, and he ended up with a 74. So I, I tend to think he might have a similar game, uh, but certainly that Dragons one. As a non-owner, I, I'm very, very scared about that one. Completely get bringing him in, though. It's it's just a matter of having a look at whether you think this week's a week to do it. With his ownership, um, he's probably going to go into the 20s this week as well. So he's 13% owned at the moment. He's going to be 20 plus this week. And I am going to talk a little bit during the podcast about the amount of trades that you've got as well. 
if you've got a huge amount of trades, you really can afford at this point, especially if you're a head-to-head player, to look at week-to-week. And look at this week. You know, Latrell Mitchell might be the best buy for the run home for the rest of the season that's left, but he might not be the best buy for this week. You know, we are going to talk about some other fullback options this week. Gutherson versus Dragons is another one. You know, the, do you think the Gutherson versus Dragons is going to outscore Latrell Mitchell this week? I do. So if I had eight, nine, ten trades, I would just trade to Gutherson for a week, and then I'd look at Latrell next week versus Dragons. You know, you want to play a bit of roulette with the matchups in those key positions that can go big, and fullback is one of them. So no problem with trading in Latrell Mitchell. Just a few things to potentially think about, especially for certain teams. CNK, Nickel Clockstar has gone ballistic this year. 5.5% of trades at the moment, third most traded in. He's almost 700,000. Um, I'm going to talk with him versus DWZ, who's the seventh most traded in player, because everyone's obviously trying to get a piece of this Warriors draw at the moment. It's interesting because both of them are similar prices, um, but there is one key difference. And if you're trying to decide between the two of them, it might be something big to look at. Charles Nickel Clockstar is 24% owned at the moment. Uh, he might get towards 30% owned by the time we get to kick off, potentially. So heavily owned. Obviously been going well. He's got a high of 145 this year versus Dragons in round 17. Uh, that's his only ton for the year, though, aside from his 103 versus Dolphins. So pretty important to note. He does have some lower ones as well. So when you're having a look at his 80-minute games, uh, he does have a 29 in there, and he does have a 35 in there, and he's got a few 40s in there. So he's not one of those big options that's guaranteed to get you a good floor. Uh, he certainly does have some smaller games there. Uh, and 68.9 for the season's great, but if you're just looking for a bit of a run then maybe sometimes you're better off going for the pot option. So 68.9 points for the year is great. I'm not going to discount buying CNK. But if you can only buy one of them, one of the big things with DWZ is he's in 6% of teams, and he's still probably going to be 10% or under by the time we kick off, as opposed to CNK maybe being between 28 and 30%. So CNK will be basically three times as owned as what DWZ will be. Uh, and the Gold Coast Titans do like to give up points to wingers, they do give up a lot of tries to wingers, as do the Tigers, and that's their next two matchups. So DWZ obviously has some lower ones in him as well, though CNK does too. Uh, what I will say is his 50-plus uh, games are about the same as far as CNK goes. And the big games, well, against the Dragons, that one where, D- where CNK went ballistic, where Tenny's a losing scored 175 points. Uh, he's also got 128 points versus the Broncos. So at the moment, his high scores are higher uh, and his floor has actually been pretty good too compared to, to um, CNK. I'm forgetting all the initials here. It's hard to talk about them both. 70.9, DWZ's actually average more as well. And you're going to get him at 30k less. And again, he's going to be between 7 and 10% ownership. So to me, I would actually take the punt on DWZ for that reason and leave CNK, but both of them are fine buyers, just you know, comparing the two. Greg Marzu's in there. Uh, I, I've said it for weeks and weeks and weeks. He is an absolute must-own. He has not been going up in ownership near enough. He's basically gone uh, from 14 to 16% ownership to 18% ownership to 19% ownership in the last four weeks. He hasn't been going up near enough as what he should be. 759000 What he has been doing 
has made him, I think, the best center wing option that you can have. Almost 79 points a game. And when you have a look at his last few games, the last five rounds, it's not just the average of 82.2 points. It's the fact that he hasn't had any duds. His worst score in the last five has been 69 points. 69, 79, 102, 92, 69. Had a bit of a dud of 49 before that, but then threw up 138 against the Manly Seagulls. His lowest score at the moment is a 39, and that's the only time he's not gone 40s plus. And he only has four scores in that category as well for the year. It is a huge season for Marju. I'm really big on on getting him in, uh, and I think that he's your number one centre wing target. And one of the great things with Marju, and I love everyone getting him in this week, is that a 90% ownership and his price tag and the amount of trades that are happening at the moment with him, he's still only going to be low 20s in ownership. And you don't normally get that from guys of his calibre. Like, even CNK is going to be significantly more owned than him. Yet, I see Marju as way better. And if you are looking at the Warriors draw, you really should take a take a look at what the um, Knights actually have. Dolphins this week. Bulldogs next week. Souths, Sharks, Harder, and then Dragons to finish off the season. But for head-to-head players, I'd really look at the fact that the next two weeks are, are super important because the next two weeks... Uh, Dolphins and Bulldogs, you could argue, are going to be close to as good as what the Warriors have, especially the fact that the Warriors' two key matchups the next two weeks are going to be away from home. So yeah, that's, that's pretty phenomenal for Marzio at the moment. So everyone trading him in, well done. I think he's a fantastic buy. Not quite as good a buy as Alex Johnston, but I do like it. 568000 He's only in 14% of teams at the moment. He's another one that's not going to get high in ownership. He's gone 122 and 82 the last two weeks for the Tigers and the Broncos. Certainly looked like a good matchup last week. If we, are, if I'm wrong about the Sharks and the Sharks don't bounce back this week, then maybe he goes over for a double and scores well. Uh, I certainly think that you definitely play him this week because one of the key things is the Sharks' right hand side defence has been quite poor. They've been going through that um, that Trindle Graham or or Graham Moylan um, spot on that edge. But at the same time, one thing that Souths do really, really well is that they go to that and sometimes the defence slides and they tend to get it out to the winger really fast or do some looping passes out to the left. And that's AJ going over in the corner with his speed. So I, I tend to think that AJ might have a really favourable matchup there. And I do think that Souths are going to go left a lot. So that bodes pretty well for this week. Even if the Sharks do bounce back, they're going to give up some points out there. And then they've got the Dragons the following week, which is a fantastic matchup for Souths. I guess one of the drawbacks we're getting someone like AJ in is he does have round 26 as a buy, and that is the head-to-head grand finals. So again, being real specific for head-to-head finals this week because that's when we're starting it. If you don't have many trades, getting someone like AJ in, uh, you might want to really plan ahead and really look at what you're going to look like in round 26 because you don't want to be stuck having to play um, dud center wings in that head-to-head grand final week. Rounding out the buys, we have a fantastic center wing pod that I absolutely absolutely love. Dane Gagai. 2.2% of trades at the moment, 656,000. He's only owned by 2% of teams. You know, he's not even going to reach 5% by the time kickoff happens. And that, this is exactly the type of trade, either overall to catch up or head-to-head to win a week, that you want to be making. He's got a prime matchup versus Dolphins. Uh, he's coming off a 97-point game against Canberra. Scored 76 the week before. 
And he hasn't actually scored below 51 since round 12 versus Sharks. It's amazing the consistency of the season that he's had. He only has two games all year that he hasn't gone 50-plus. And most of his games have been 60-plus. He's remarkably gone 80-plus in a third of his games. Uh, or more than a third of his games, I should say. So edging towards half his games, he's gone 80-plus. Doesn't have the huge scores in him, uh, but has still got 109 ton in there. Has still got the 97 from last week and has got a lot of 80s. You're buying him for the consistent 80s that you should be able to see from him in this draw coming up. Dolphins, Bulldogs, the next two weeks are, are fantastic from him. So I I really like it as a pod play. I would buy Dane Gagai over a CNK at the moment if I was chasing or if I needed a point of difference in my head-to-head. Um, I think that that's um, a pretty good option to have a look at for those that are chasers. Harry Grant, it's just the opportune time to get him in. Jeezy was good last week. Scored two tries uh, and 705,000. Now's the time to be getting in Harry Grant. Obviously, the Penrith matchup isn't great, but he does have some good matchups after that, particularly around 25 and 26. Uh, so it's, you know, I think that he's, as much as I've said he's disappointing for me as a trade-in, he has still been the number one hooker. I think it's more about the position that's been disappointing. So you want to get him in. For Newell Blake, another New Zealand warrior rounding out the top 10 for the trade-ins. It's an amazing season for Fanuel Blake at the moment. 22% of teams, but not many are going to be able to get him in at his price or wanting to spend the trades at front row forward. So it is a fairly strategic buy. Playing the Gold Coast Titans and the Tigers are next two, like we said, and with the draw. He's someone who has gone crazy in his try scoring this year. Can he keep it up? Can he do more of it? Well, look, he scored the week before last, and before that he had a massive drought of six games, and before that he had his four tries in five weeks that absolutely killed it for owners. He has the sort of draw where you'd expect that he could go over for one or two tries. Uh, his minutes have been a little bit of a concern for me, but then the last two weeks have gone back up. So he played 68 and 65 minutes the last two weeks. Jester Vungers on the extended bench, whether he comes on and comes into the side and then starts playing in the middle, I'm not sure. Um, maybe that doesn't muddy the waters. Certainly before the last two weeks, he was averaging 50 eight and a half minutes a game, and that was a bit of a concern because it wasn't the sort of 64-65 that he's played before that. The last two weeks, it's normalised again. So I see him as a fine purchase. I would actually get him over a pain Haas just for the upside of him being able to get some tries on the run home. So I think that works out really well. Let's have a look now at the game-by-game matchups. We're going to talk some pods. We're going to talk some VC and some captaincy options. Roosters versus Manly Thursday night. So let's get the C and the VC stuff out of the way first of all. A couple of interesting options. I, I, look, I'll throw at Daily Cherry Evans, but I know most people wouldn't be on him at all. Uh, but certainly Cherry Evans has been going well of late. He's got his 109 versus Sharks two weeks ago, which was pretty big. He's thrown 113 against the Dolphins and 104 against the Storm and 119 against the Dogs this year for his four tons. If the Roosters don't show up, you know, do merely attack like they have been recently. Uh, it's important to note that before that Sharks game, they're averaging like nine points a game for about a month of footy. So Manly was not scoring well until the last couple of weeks. Whether they revert or not, who knows? Um, James Tedesco, I was disappointed last week, but obviously playing the Broncos is a bit bit of a tough matchup for him. Before that, he'd gone 134 and, and 89. Now, importantly, that 89 that he did a few a few games back was against Manly, and that was a weight four points. So if you can go 89 against Manly away at four points, you would think at home in a must-win game at the SCG, 
that Tedesco has 100 plus in him potentially. I will say that he does like playing Manly. He scored um, close to a ton last year in his first game versus them, and, and 70 is the second game. So these last few games, he's actually averaging about 85 points against Manly. And you'd think that hopefully this week the Roosters step up and he might be a vice-captaincy option to go 100-plus. I think the biggest problem with him is uh, Tedesco circa 2023. His big games have been 118 points. He's got two of those, uh, plus 134 points versus the Titans two weeks ago. Now, the 134 ended up 120 and then got updated to 134. Normally with the looping, you you sort of want that 125, 130 plus a lot of the time. Uh, later in the year, like now, if your team is set up where it's got an AE that's going to be between 40 and 50, you can look at a 118. The only issue is that Teddy hasn't had one of those 150 plus bangers this year. Now, does he do it on the run home? Potentially. Maybe he doesn't have it in him. I definitely think that he's a VC option though at home versus Manly, uh, and considering he just threw 89 away on them a couple of weeks ago. Aside from Teddy, there's a couple of different pods that you can look at for this one. Uh, on the Roosters side of things, if you're just looking at this week especially, but even just the next fortnight, Daniel Tupo, I know I've spoken, to, uh, spoken about him before, but 588,000, the last three games, 66, 33, and 122. When he scored a double versus Storm in round 20, he got 122 points out of it. The biggest thing is that since he's returned from... Uh, his injury in round 15, he's had a raw base of high 30s. And that's a really good floor for him because his base base attack brings him up to 50 plus. So he's got a really good floor. And if he can get a try, he's generally going to be uh, in for a good score of 70 plus. So uh, it depends on whether you think he's going to get a try against Manly. I tend to think that he will at home. He's also got the Dolphins next week. So for the Roosters, their next five rounds looks pretty good. Next two weeks are at home, Manly and the Dolphins. And then they've got Parramatta away, which is going to be tough. And then they're at home versus the Tigers. So three out of the next four at home, three out of the next four against teams that aren't in the top eight in Manly, the Dolphins and the Tigers. Pretty good matchups to have at home for the Roosters. So if you're buying someone like a Toops, you can get him in for um, these matchups and pretty much play him for three out of the next four weeks. And that's pretty good value for him. And you can definitely go on a bit of a run. Looking at some solid options that could be a downgrade. Bit of a different type of purchase. In this one, uh, one person who's gone under the radar a little bit is Matt Lodge. Obviously not going to set the world on fire, not going to turn up or anything for you. It's a very specific type of buy that you might want to consider. He's 445000 at front row forward. Now, in his last two weeks at Manly, he has gone from coming off the bench and playing 52 minutes to actually starting in the number 10 jersey last week. And he's gone 56 and 65 the last two weeks. I expect that type of range to continue. Uh, I think that he's going to be pretty close to a 60-plus type of front rower. And one of the big things with that is Manly have had a couple of long-term injuries to their middles. So they've got a pretty, pretty thin middle forward rotation right now. That's going to help Lodge continue to start. Does he keep getting 50-plus minutes? Oh, I don't th- see how he can't. I think that he's going to be getting 50-plus minutes, and that should equate to at least a 55, if not a 60-point type of average. And he's going to be playing the Roosters, who obviously didn't give him the contract and let him go across to Manly. So for this week, I think he's going to you know, probably go out there and try and build a few people, 
put in a lot of work, make a lot of runs. I thought he's actually looked pretty good. As far as a purchase for Supercoach goes, he's obviously not going to be a guy that you want to play, but there are teams that are going to be looking at it going, I need to have some depth with a downgrade, but I really can't afford to get any of the premium options. If you're going to make two trades and you need to go down from someone, like say your Tohu Harris is your third or fourth front row forward option, and you're going to get rid of him because you need to make an upgrade to get your star fullback in him, Latrell Mitchell or someone like that, you could always go down to a lodge and then use that money to fund the Latrell Mitchell because one of the things that Lodge will do is that he will not give you an AE nightmare if he keeps starting. And he's also going to be backup depth for you. So if you have someone go down for a week, like say Horsburgh get, goes down for a week and he's one of your front rowers, you can plug in Lodge now and you're probably going to get 55 points out of him. So just a little bit of an option to look at. But for draft, if you were in draft at the moment and Lodge is there and you're about to play your draft finals... Go and grab him because he's a really good draft front row forward prospect for you to jump on board with. As far as the game goes, I am hopeful for the Roosters. I really can't tell what, what Roosters or what Manly side is going to turn up, so it's hard. I could see Roosters doing a Gold Coast Titans first half game against some Manly Seagulls and throwing on 20 to 30 points really quickly if they're on. I could also see Manly doing the same to the Roosters if the Roosters are giving up on their season. So it's pretty hard to tell in this one. The next one, though, we've got the Titans and the Warriors. One of the guys in this that is heavily owned and not a pod to talk about is a, is a captaincy option always, and that is uh, David Fafida. He was top 10 most traded in, and he's actually gone out of that now in Market Watch, but he scored 88 points on the weekend against the Cowboys. Pretty good performance after his 57 and 60 the two weeks prior. Uh, I think that at 755,000 and a 94 BE, he's basically bottomed out. So if you didn't have Dave Fafida, despite his high ownership, I would be getting him in this week. I think it's the perfect week to do it. It is against the Warriors, which is going to be tough. They're defending really well, but it is at home, and he has shown that he can score well against anybody. So he's got to be close to a ton again as well. That's the other thing to consider in the next few weeks. Despite the tough draw that the Titans have got, he's now gone three games in a row without 100-plus. Uh, and yeah, he, that hasn't happened since uh, he started going hundreds for fun in round nine. So at the moment, I really like Fafita as a trading this week. If you don't have him, I'd want to bring him in and match him because he can easily go an 88-point performance against the Warriors, even if they get flogged this week. I love David Fafita this week in this one. Uh, having said that, I couldn't captain him or vice-captain him this week just because of the Warriors' defense and, and what they've shown. A couple of real smoky pod options. And again, I've got to reiterate, guys, I'm not saying these are the best pods to get go for. I'm saying for some head-to-head teams that are in a real tight spot and need to make a differential decision against their opponent or for some teams that don't have the money, perhaps, and are looking for something, these guys might be some hand grenades that you can throw in there. Rocco Berry. Uh, interesting one because he's generally not very good at Supercoach, 43 points a game. And that's not necessarily going to change, but you're just looking for a short burst here. 400,000 is, is the, the big kicker here. Here's a guy that's 400,000 that has the best draw in the competition to finish off the next five weeks. So we all remember the famous Jack Reed run where he averaged 100 plus for about five weeks. And Jack Reed was never a super coach option and basically was Rocco Berry averaging like 43 points a game. Anyone can do it with the right run and the right circumstances. Maybe it's Rocco Berry. One of the other things that I like about him is that he's also going to be an option for people who maybe still do have a lot of trades left. So he's got a minus 17 break even at the moment. He can potentially make a bit of cash in the next couple of weeks 
and give you a trade-out option at 500k plus for that grand final week for head-to-head finals or for your run home if you're an overall player for the last two weeks. So if you've got trades left, he might be an option in that regard. But even just as a play, um, the Titans and the Tigers the next two weeks, he might just be a play for those games to try and get him to jag a try. Jag a try in round 20 versus Sharks and scored 92 points. Uh, and his only other try came in round 17 where he scored 46 versus Dragons. He doesn't have a lot of tries for the year, but you also need to keep in mind that he has only played in eight games for the year so far. He missed the first half of the season. And I think the last five weeks he's looked a lot better. Uh, in the last five weeks, he's got a 51 average. The last three weeks, he's got a 59 average. Again, you're just trying to jag a big one off someone that you can buy for 400000 if that's your price tag. Obviously, if you've got 500k plus to spend, you'd be looking at other options. Wade Egan. I like him a lot more than Rocco Berry, I can tell you that. Um, Wade Egan is someone who has sort of fallen by the wayside because he keeps having these little injuries and, and doesn't get through the games and then has a week off, and that's happened a few different times now. But if you don't have Harry Grant and you can't afford him or you've left yourself with one trade and you need a hooker, uh, I think Wade Egan is going to be the unsung hero of some team's final five weeks of the season. We've already spoken about the run home that the Warriors have. Wade Egan's 531000 That is cheap. He's also shown a huge propensity to get some attacking stats. The first four rounds of the season, he played against the Knights, the Roosters, the Cowboys, and the Sharks, and he scored all four of those weeks, one after the other. He went 99, 88, 71, and 64. That's a great month run of footy for him, and then he got injured again. Now, Last few weeks, it's gone very under the radar that he's now gone 74, 66, and 62. And one of those games, he only played 61 minutes as well. The last two weeks that he's been playing, he's 80-plus minutes. He's basically averaging 63, 64 points a game without any um, many attacking stats, no tries. He's going to score a try in the next few weeks. It's going to happen. So if you're someone who, again, can't afford one of the premium hookers, or maybe you just want to get rid of someone and you've got the trades as your second hooker, He's a backup hooker that you can get in at a cheap price, very low ownership, that you could almost play every week at the moment as, as one of your first reserves selected in your 17. So I really quite like that as a pot option. If I had a lot of trades, it would be something that I'd be doing. I'd be going, Robson, my backup hooker that I'm never going to play again, and getting Wade Egan in and probably playing him every week for this last five weeks of the Warriors run home. Moving along, uh, I have to say, with the next game, uh, it's not quite as good as far as the matchup goes. Panthers and the Storm, arguably the two form sides of the competition. Uh, Certainly the Panthers are number one. It's a really hard one. I don't see any pod options that you really want to jump on in this because obviously it's a hard matchup. Do we look at a VC of Nathan Cleary? I think that Nathan Cleary has shown that he can go well in any given week. Uh, He did get updated to 130 points last week before he got downgraded again. It's, it's always an option to VC Nathan Cleary. Uh, I do think that it is a a week where you can bypass that because there is some other options. I'll also just point out that Nathan Cleary's performances against the Storm are the lowest out of anyone of his opposition for his career. He only averages 54 points a game against the Storm in six games, and his highest score against them is only an 85. Every other team in the competition, Nathan Cleary has thrown 100-plus up against 
He's never done it against the Storm. He's never scored 100 points on the Storm. So that's why I would steer away from a VC. And I do think that it's a little bit risky to go to C. Wouldn't surprise me if he bucks the trend. He's in, you know, showed great form last week. They are playing at Penrith. But again, playing the percentages, I just don't think that you can do it. And I certainly don't think that you could touch a VC or C on the Storm. So I am going to move along to the next game because it is a little bit more juicy. The Cowboys and the Broncos. Few changes in this one. Obviously, Holmes is out, and that's going to hurt them quite a bit. Uh, one of the interesting things here is that we do have Holmes out, who was a goal kicker. Now, who is going to goal kick? Could it be Chad Townsend? Maybe. But the other person that has goal kicked for the Cowboys is Scott Drinkwater. So all of a sudden, if Scott Drinkwater has the goal kicking on top of his normal performances, that becomes really, really appealing if you don't own him. He's got a huge break even. But you almost have to ignore that now because the Cowboys have a, a bye next week and then they hit the Sharks and the Dolphins and finish on the Panthers. Sharks and Dolphins are pretty good matchups. The Sharks game is at uh, Townsville, so that's good for them. It probably depends on how you think they're going to go against the Broncos this week. I tend to think that they uh, can compete with the Broncos and certainly put up some points. Um, but if you think the Broncos are going to hammer them, then obviously you wouldn't be looking at Scotty Drinkwater. I'm going to be vice-captaining Scott Drinkwater. Um, I think that there's a good chance that he bucks back from last week's 58 points and goes back to a, an 80 plus. But that was without goal kicking. You know, if he's goal kicking, uh, he's easily a 90 plus all of a sudden, and probably an easy ton if they go well. So uh, I, I really, really like him as a VC because he's obviously got scores of 122, 173, and 140 in three out of his last five games. So with goal kicking in there and maybe a big Cowboys win. Uh, That could be a huge one for Scotty Drinkwater. So just something to think about with him. Next game that we've got is going to be the Dolphins versus the Knights. few changes here. Um, We do have Hammer back at fullback, uh, but they did name Cody Nicarima in the centres. By God, if Cody Nicarima stays in the centres, marking up against Bradman Best, you can guess which pot I'm going to talk about first. Bradman Best... Uh, if that side stays like that, I would really love to have the trades to have a piece of Bradman Best running against Cody Nicarima. So, obviously, Bradman Best, uh, a month back, was a bit of a heavy buy. He scored the 152 versus Bulldogs in round 18 that got into, into origin. Since then, he scored 57, 82, and 64 with two tries in his last three games. He has been on a try-scoring spree, uh, and he ha- has gone up in price to 690000 I do prefer Gagai over him. But if you've got Gagai and you want to you know, double up and get someone like Best in, he's, like I said, he's got the Bulldogs a week after this. Next week against the Bulldogs is where he scored his 152 points against in only round 18. So it's probably going to be a pretty similar matchup. Um, whether he can do that again, I think he'd be a special for 100-plus, though. So you're really looking at with these Knights players the next two-week window. The Dolphins and the Bulldogs the next two weeks are phenomenal matchups for them. And Bradman Best at 690000 he can't not be an option when he's throwing 152 on the Dogs and against the Gold Coast, um, against, sorry, the Dolphins as well, if no, Nick Arim is at centre there. That's massive for him. Dom Young's another really uh, obvious one. If you've already got Greg Marsu, uh, maybe you can afford to double down and get a Dom Young. He's gone 56, 62, and 109 his last three. He's scored four tries in his last three games. And that's almost... The only downside from Dom Young, when he does go over the line, it doesn't necessarily equate to, to good points. His base is really far too low. He's got a raw base of 21, and that's very, very low. 
So he's only gone 56 and 62 the last two weeks when he's got a try. That's a big problem with Dom. The upside with Dom is that he can go multiple tries. And when he has got multiple tries, some of those games, he's got 109 three weeks ago. He went 111 with two tries versus the Broncos in one in uh, round 15. And he went 148 with four tries against Manly in round five. So it really depends on what type of what type of scoreline you're expecting here. But if they're going to have guys like Cody Nikarima in the centres uh, and you know, not aim up and Newcastle come in with the red-hot form that we've seen from them the last few weeks with the attack, Dom Young could easily go through for a hat-trick. And if he does, you're looking at 100-plus pod score there, well under 10% ownership. So 609,000, he's a bit of a cheaper option to some of the other guys that we've spoken about. I can certainly see him going well this week. I'm going to put out an absolute hand grenade in this one, though, especially if you're just looking at, like, a one-week play. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, $615,000. His last four weeks. You'll think I'm crazy, but just hear me out. Let's look at his last four scores. Last four weeks, he scored two tries. And he's gone 141, 54, 76, and 72. That's a pretty good run for Fitzgibbon, and we've seen it from him before. In the first four weeks of this season, he averaged 70 plus, and that was with two tries. If he can score some tries, he's going to get 70s. And he's playing the Dolphins and the Dogs the next two weeks, so I'm going to say in the next two weeks, he's going to score at least one try. And that looks pretty appealing for him. As far as your head to head finals go, this is the type of uh, pod Hail Mary play that you might want to go for. It isn't early in the round, so you can have a look at what your matchup's doing and what your opponent's got. And if you need a second row forward out to get a hand grenade in, Lachlan Fitzgibbon is one of the few this week that can go over the line or can get bulk attacking stats. 141 versus the Bulldogs. He could do that again next week versus the Dogs, potentially. But even just against the uh, the Dolphins' edge this week, he, he could score some points. Ultimate hand grenade pod. He's obviously got some lower games in him. Though, I will say this year, most of the time, he's been pretty consistent and not giving you a dud score when he plays 80 minutes. So, at worst, you're just going to get a solid score but you've obviously got the draw upside with him. So he is a quintessential head-to-head finals type of buy during the finals matchup when you need someone to maybe go over the line and you want to trade a forward out. He's somebody that you can definitely have a look at. Kalen Ponga is obviously the big C option, and I would just throw the C straight on him. 122 points last week, 96 a week before, 137, 180, around here at his last month of football. In fact, it has been since round 13... That's a long time since he's last scored below 90 points, aside from his 47 against Penrith in round 17. So, you know, six out of his last seven games, he's got 90-plus. It is an easy, easy captaincy choice for Kalen Ponga at the moment. And it really, the three out of the next five weeks, it's a big, it's an easy captaincy choice. So I'll likely be captaining him against the Dolphins. Uh, it looks like it'll match up really well versus them, uh, and I'm expecting a 100-plus type of performance again. So absolutely love that. Moving right along, we now have the Sharks and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So big news for the Sharkies is obviously Will Kennedy's out for six to eight weeks. Uh, Connor Tracy shifted to fullback. I have seen, seen some people talk about Connor Tracy as potentially an option to look at. I think that's far more for draft. For draft, I'd be all over Connor Tracy. He's going to be playing fullback for the rest of the season. For Classic, it's a little bit hard because, one, we're not real sure how we'll go at fullback. I think that it'll go pretty well, but I wouldn't want to pay 500k to find out and spend a trade on it. So I'm not particularly into that one. Um, some things I am into in this one, though, uh, when you're looking on the South Sydney side of things in particular, 
Alex Johnston, we, we've already spoken about, but what about somebody else in this backline? Well, Campbell Graham is the forgotten man. People aren't really talking about Campbell Graham anymore, and he was the flavour of the month for the first half of the season. And now it's kind of little. It's been a little bit um, due to his injury, a little bit due to some sm- small performances and stuff. But he's been largely forgotten about. He only scored thirty-four points on the weekend versus the Tigers, which was super disappointing. But I have to say, the Sharks and the Dragons are his next two games. He's played both those teams this year. The last time he played the Sharks, he scored one hundred and ten points, and that was his third best score for the year, by the way. And the last time he played the Dragons, he scored 98 points. His next two opposition are absolutely phenomenal for him. And he's got a good chance at going big for them. And again, head-to-head, I keep saying it, but head-to-head finals these next two weeks, these are the type of buys that you need to be looking at because you've got to win your matchups. 631000 it's very achievable to buy Campbell Graham. And the next two weeks, he has a very good chance at going well. He's also down to 15% ownership. So that's the other thing. He was as high as 30-plus percent before. He's down at 15%. That's pretty low at this time of the year. Uh, so I really do like Campbell Graham for this matchup. I do think that Hines... I've seen some people talk about benching Hines. I think that he's absolutely insane. Do not bench Hines for this matchup. There is every chance that Cronulla can bounce back a bit here and score some points. The Souths have been leading in points, like I said, with my Hines chat. There is no way that I would bench Nico Hines. I would even still consider VCing him if you didn't have some of these other options and you had a captaincy option later in the round. So definitely play Hines. I reckon that he's still going to be good for a 70-plus score this week. Uh, He still should get some good ones. If the Sharks don't turn up, though, um, someone like Cody Walker, um, he could go well. I wouldn't be buying him, but as an owner, I'm fairly excited. He's gone pretty bad the last two weeks. He's gone 58 and 55. This could be a week that he blows up. Waiting to see. Moving right along to the other captaincy options in this one, though. Latrell Mitchell. People are looking at him. I wouldn't be particularly comfortable doing it, uh, especially from what we saw last week. I think that he's probably going to be a a solid scorer, but there there is some chance there, and I think that it's going to be a very low percentage that actually captain him. So certainly for head-to-head finals matchups, he might be the guy that you have to go to if you're trying to chase. And that would be a decision that I'd definitely make. If you're trying to chase and you, you can hope that Latrell's going to have a big score against the Sharks and the Sharks aren't going to turn up, certainly go for that. Uh, moving right along this next game, i tell you what, the Eels have got some f- fantastic options versus the Dragons this week. And this is one of the points I was making about Latrell Mitchell. You know, if, if you got the trades to get a fullback in and then get him back out for your head-to-head finals especially, I'd be getting Gutho in over Latrell this week. So Clint Gutherson this week has the Dragons, and it's is at home at Combank Stadium. And that is a huge deal um, for the Eels. They, they pretty much have to win as well. So I'm expecting a lot of points from the Eels. Gutho, two out of his last three games have only been 55 and 61, but he does have 115 thrown in there versus the Cowboys. A lot of tons this year, uh, and this one shapes up as a 100-plus game for Gutho. So I really quite like him this week, but... I hear you all say, what are the pot options, Barnsley? Well, there's three that I'm going to I'm going to mention. Absolute hand grenade, Dylan Brown. No one has him. No one's looking at him. 815,000, first game back. Always risky getting someone first game back. But I am going to make some counterpoints as to why it's not as risky for Dylan Brown. One thing is, he's not coming back from injury. So he's been training in full and raring to go. It hasn't been a health concern for him. It hasn't been any training restraints from him. 
uh, going 100%. So he's fully fit. He's just obviously suspended for off-field stuff. That's a big deal. It's a big difference. Uh, number two, he's got uh, against the Dragons. He can be a little bit underdone and still go pretty well. He did average 76 for the season. And this is a huge pod play. So if you are trying to win your uh, head-to-head finals matchup this week, certainly in the next couple of weeks, they've got some good matchups. Uh, so obviously round 27, they don't play, but that is head-to-heads all over. So if you're head-to-head only, you just got to worry about that round 26 grand final if you get there because it's against Penrith. If you've got luxury trades, I'd certainly look at a hand grenade, Dylan Brown in, and then get him out for a Munster or something like that later. Uh, he's only got a 61 break-even, so he's not going to lose money in the next couple of weeks either. So I quite like that as a hand grenade option, but if you're looking at some other ones, someone else that is barely owned at all, only a few percent, Will Penasini, uh, he's not been going well. So this is one of those ones where it's a hand grenade for a reason. You're just going to throw it in, hope it explodes and goes boom, because it hasn't been. It's been sitting there. Uh, the last four rounds, he's gone 45, 59, 63, and 25. Before that, against some more inferior opposition, he scored 104 points versus the Dolphins with a double. I'm expecting that type of performance from Will. I think that he's a 80 to 90 plus type of guy. And at 531,000 playing the Dragon at Combeck Stadium. Uh, and it's certainly uh, an eel side that's going to benefit from having Brown back in there. I think that he could get some good points. The key with some of these ones, like a Will Penasini, though, is that they're later in the round. And you're going to be looking for options in your head-to-heads to get in that can go big. That aren't necessarily normally great options. He's one of those few guys... Another guy that uh, I think that should be looked at a bit more than what he has been. One of the big team changes this week is Ryan Madison. is named to start on an edge. Now, he probably won't play 80 on the edge. He'll go to the middle, but that's great for him because he gets those edge minutes and he gets the middle minutes, and it's going to be more than what he's been getting. His minutes went back up to 63 on the weekend, and it was always going to happen, and he went 81 points. He'll play 63-plus minutes for the rest of the year probably, and he has shown that when he does that, He's going to get you good points. Uh, I would I would guess that he's going to average 70-plus for the run home, and he's only 532,000. I'll also point out what I pointed out in the last month. He still hasn't scored a try this year. He's playing the Dragons this week at Combank Stadium. He would be a special running at that edge to get over the line and get a try in. So I really like Matt O this week as a buy, and he's also someone who you know gets the harder matchups like Penrith in round 26. Just through the minutes and the work rate that he's got, he's still probably going to give you 70-plus. And, and nobody jumps on Maddo. He always stays pretty low ownership. He's going to be in pod territory still on his ownership percentages. 532000 is cheap as chips. You could downgrade someone like a Tohu Harris to him, have some leftover money and upgrade somewhere else. So I really like Maddo this week, and I really like him to get some clutch attack stats and possibly a try. The last game of the round... Uh, this one throws up a, a number of really interesting, crazy options. The Raiders and the Tigers. This one's at GIO Stadium, which I think is really important. And we've got Croker out of the side and the Seb Chris experiment at number one all over. And it made me look at a couple of different options in this Raiders side. The first one was, wow, Jordan Rappinart is starting at number one. He has goal kicked before, and I got all excited thinking, oh, maybe he'll goal kick, but then I remembered that Fogarty... Uh, was actually going to be the replacement goal kicker. So that takes a little bit of the edge off getting someone like Rapana. I will say, though, with him, playing the Tigers at home this week, he's only 460000 So, again, when you're looking at options where you have to trade someone, you have to get someone in, but you're on a real budget, 
then someone like him can come into it as well. 467,000. He doesn't have any fullback games this year, so there isn't too much to draw on. Uh, he's only averaged 51 for the year. Generally, outside backs for the Raiders aren't great. But again, if you're looking at a one-week play versus the Tigers, then all of a sudden, hey, that might actually come off pretty well for him. Last year, when you have a look at it, he only played two games at number one, and it was really poor. He went 26 and 31 points, but it was against the Panthers in one of those games at Bluebet, so you can pretty much throw that out the window. What if you go before that, though? What if you go back to 2021? Well, 2021, he actually played a heap of games at number one, and he scored a hell of a lot better there with a bigger sample size. So back then, Rappiner went in and he played uh, half a dozen games at number one. His scores were 97, 81, 63, 44, 37, and 124. Now, that was pretty good scoring for him, where he managed to average 80-plus. Do we go back a couple of years to Rapinoe when he had half a dozen games and could go 80-plus? Or is it more like last year, where he was averaging under 30 points a game? It's probably somewhere in the middle. I think that he can average 65-plus for the year. Because one of the things that I do like about Rapinoe is... His draw has a couple of big matchups in it. And again, when you're compartmentalizing the season, you're really looking at guys that you can just plug and play and then bench in your center wing. Two out of the next three games, he's at GAO Stadium and he plays the Tigers and Bulldogs. The middle one's a Storm, so you get him in to play him against the Tigers, you bench him against the, the Storm, and then you play him again at home at GAO versus the Bulldogs. And that Tigers and, GIO, and uh, Bulldogs game, he could easily average... 75 plus across those to give you 150 points for those two plays. And that's what you're throwing a hand grenade like Rappin in there for. Liked him a lot more when I thought that he might have goal kicked, but you know it, he could work. Tomoko I like better. So Tomoko, we've seen a nice run of form against bad teams. He's got that great game where he threw up 122 points versus the Dragons and looked basically unstoppable. Last time he played the Tigers, he only scored 41 points. That was a concern. But what did he do last time he played the Bulldogs? 119 with one try. So he can beat up on the bad teams, and they do tend to look for Tomoko. Um, I do think that the Tigers and the, the Dogs are two really cool, keen, really good matchups for him. 587,000, it's not going to break the bank. And when you're looking at these guys, it's really, you know, if you don't have the 650 for in your bank for a Marju for a Gagai and for some of these other options, then you're looking at these 500 to 600k options, and that's when you need to consider some of these guys. But the matchup's fantastic for him. So Tomoko's another one. Uh, one of the best ones for the Raiders that I love is Hudson Young. Um, now, Hudson Young has been going really poorly the last few weeks. Uh, he's been well below his best. He's only averaging 58 for the year now, coming off 67 and 61 points a game the two years before. And he hasn't been scoring as many tries. He's he basically, the, for the first half of the season, went on his try-scoring run and was playing fantastic. Um, and be- between rounds 1 to 10, um, was going okay. And then all of a sudden, he just dropped right off a cliff. Um, certainly post-Origin, he hasn't been there. 45, 56, 45 points in his last three. The two before that, 93 and 76, that's sort of what you're hoping for from him on these couple of matchups coming. He's definitely due for a try versus the Tigers. Uh, the Bulldogs... Last time he played the Bulldogs, he scored a try and scored 79 points. Last time he played the Tigers, he only scored 46. So at 555,000, he's another guy that's sort of on that uh, Madison level, but he doesn't have as good a floor. But he does have the try scoring ability. And if you are going to be able to plug and play 
then you can just play him two out of the next three games and look at that. And those two games, again, I, I reckon he's a 70-plus special, uh, potentially even bigger if he can jag a double against the Dogs, like he did um, last year, I think it was, where he went 125 points. So I like Hudson Young as a bit of value in this one. Uh, but the last guy I'll throw up there is not even a hand grenade. It's just crazy, crazy play. But it's got to be under very specific circumstances. So if you have absolutely no money and you need to downgrade to someone that's basement price and you're looking at head-to-head mainly and just needing to win this week, Nick Cottridge is starting on the wing. It is extremely dirty, but $218,000 means that he's almost basement price. So if you need to downgrade someone to almost enough, you can get a Nick Cottrick in to help you out this week. This is a really specific trade, so I don't want anyone to misconstrue me saying that Nick Cottridge is a trade-in or anything like that, or even a downgrade. He is a very specific trade. If you are someone who is head-to-head this week, who needs a centre wing in, who can't afford anybody, or who needs a downgrade to upgrade somewhere else, you can actually play Cottridge this week and hope that he gets at least a try and goes 65-plus. He might even get a double and give you 80 or something. You know, you could do that this week if you're in that sort of jam. And you don't really get that opportunity many weeks. You know, this is a really good matchup for the Raiders. If you're looking at just this week, you can get him in as a downgrade and maybe it allows you to go a Kennedy to a Latrell Mitchell or, or to a Gutherson even. And that ends up being quite a good play for this week alone for head-to-head. So that is the round, everybody. Uh, as far as the podcast goes, we do have the Talking Footy podcast coming up at the end of the week, which will be a banger. Uh, for this one, I did try and focus a lot on head-to-head finals and just short trade-ins for a week or two, uh, and I think that's what you need to look at right now. If you're overall, it's obviously going to be slightly different, uh, but there's a lot of different trade options at the moment, and some of them will be good for some teams and not an option for others. So you really have to decide what sort of category you're in to start to look at some of these options, and all these pod options are going to be in that type of boat as well. So it's good just to mention them because there's some teams that will benefit from them. But head-to-head finals this week, good luck with it, everybody. I hope that you all go well. If you're chasing overall, there's still a lot of opportunity to move up the ranks. For the podcast, you can download, stream, and share from iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon. You can also jump on Twitter and follow us on NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And also make sure that you do jump on Picklebet.com. Picklebet are a great partner of the All Stars podcast. Use All Stars as your promo affiliate code when you do create an account on Picklebet.com today. Until then, can't wait to talk more footy in the Talking Footy, but can't wait to talk all about Supercoach again next week. We'll have definitely somebody on, possibly Billy returning, uh, but apologies that this one was a solo one. Like I said, very busy time of year for me at work, but I always make sure and try and get a podcast out to everyone. So enjoy the footy. Good luck with your Supercoach. Can't wait to chat all about Rugby Leg and Supercoach again with everyone next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.